A wise man once said, every journey begins with the first step. Come with me, my friends, as together we travel down the roadway of geekdom in our never-ending quest to find the joy and fun in what we love. However, our final destination may not be where we intended, for on this journey, tangents abound. Hello, and welcome to the 13th episode of Tangents Abound. My name is Aaron Henley, and I thank you all for joining me today. Well, my friends, this is the culmination of my Saturday morning cartoon series. And boy, is it a special episode. I told you it would be, because you don't just have to put up with me today. Oh, no. In my palatial studio, a.k.a. my living room, (laughs) I have a very special guest. And cue the music, Harley. It's Tangents Abound with our very special guest, Mr. Gene Hendricks. Yay! Well, hello, Aaron. Waka, waka, waka. Hey, Gene. Hello, hello. Oh, welcome to the show. Yes, yeah, this is a very nice place you have here. Yeah, especially since I, since I rented it from Doctor Doom, so I, I apologize that the green room, you know, looks more like the dungeon interrogation chamber of horrors. But eh, I tried to make it look homey. Well, the throw pillows and the curtains really do work. Well, thank you. My mom and grandma picked those out. Oh, they did a great job. Thank you. I'll let them know. Also, I don't have the corpse of J. David Weeder on like the Fantastic has, so I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you cleared that out very well. That's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends, I pre- just want to let you know that since I do have a guest star, we're not going to go into any feedback or comments today. First off, main reason is I tend to think that if a person takes time out of their busy schedule to, you know, talk with me about some geeky stuff, it's only respectful to give them my full attention. So, Turtle Gloves, Vicania, aka Little Sis. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, i i appreciate um, I appreciate you just coming on, Gene. I'm you, you've been my uh, regular emailer, aka only emailer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if anyone listening wants to leave an email, email address is tangentsabound at gmail dot com. <laughs> well, because I can't leave feedback on this episode, so that's up to you, listeners. <laughs> oh, you can still leave feedback. Well, that's kind of uncouth, isn't it? (laughs) Feedback on my own appearance? Has that stopped anyone else before? It's an interesting point. (laughs) Oh, okay, my friend. Well, before we get into our topic for the day, just want to, you know, since it's your first time on the show, just kind of give the listeners a little background on you. Um, First off, how did you get into, you know, the wandering ways of geekdom? Well, and this is a, a geeky reference, I accused my parents. Uh, the, main, the main thing was, the, and if anyone listens to episode one of my show, I go into this more, but essentially seeing Star Trek The Motion Picture was what kick-started my interest in all this. I mean, I, I had seen Star Wars already. 
I had, you know, watched cartoons and whatnot, but seeing the movie Enterprise is what really got me interested in science fiction and from then into fantasy and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I just you know, went from there and my mom it actually remembers watching the first episode of Star Trek when she was a freshman in high school. Oh, wow. So I, I have a geek pedigree here. Yeah, I mean, that's a... That's a heck of a pedigree, and you know, yeah, you did get a lot of time to view the Enterprise, movie Enterprise. <laughs> Don't you be dissing on my favorite Star Trek movie. I will never diss on that. I love that scene. <laughs> that that scene is actually one, it, when Kirk and Scotty come around in the travel pod, mm-hmm. and the music swells, and then you get that, that was my first ever glimpse of the Enterprise, where you come around, you see a look on Kirk's face, and then it's just, bang! There it is. I still get a lump in my throat whenever I watch it. Well, yeah, with the music swell, and I, I gotta admit, the Enterprise Alpha, well, not the Alpha, the remodel for the fir- first three movies, I always thought that was just a classy update. That just, it's a, it's a gorgeous ship. I, I can't say more about, enough about it. Yeah, they, they did a real nice job with the, the lines on it and everything, and they, the, it still looks like the TV show Enterprise, just modernized is probably the the best term I can use for it. And I I had, and it still has, the book still has my name and my sixth grade room listed in it, Mr. Scott's Guide to the Oh, Enterprise. nice. And I've read that thing at least ten times, cover to cover. So I love that enterprise. No. I, I know where you're coming from when, when you get a reference book like that. I had a, um, it was called the guy, a guide to the Star Wars universe, volume two, and mm. all it covered was mainly for expanded universe material. Uh, the radio dramas, some the Thrawn trilogy, and pretty much the Dark Empire comics. There wasn't a lot of expanded universe, but it also had, like, Ewoks and droids in there. Was this a rather thick book with, like, a a dark red cover? Dark red cover and Darth Vader's TIE Fighter on it. I think I have that somewhere. (laughs) Oh, I read that cover to cover, like, four or five times. In fact, where did I put that? But I still remember the day I spilled the... My cherry jello on it and stained a couple of the pages. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, it made a great bookmark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. Assuming you can get the pages open again. Oh, yeah, it just stained the, the corner. It wasn't oh, all okay. over the page. All right, so I'm reading the jello mark tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, since we talked Star Trek, I'm pretty. I'm guessing that's pretty much your favorite geekdom, but what else are you into? Oh man, <laughs> a lot. I, I have a feel. I have a feeling. I know at least one of them by the name of your podcast. Well, yes, uh, there there is uh, the comic book side of things, obviously, and part of that would be Walt Simonson's Thor, which is what I consider to be the high point of the character. I, I hate to interrupt, but do you know if that was ever collected in the uh, omnibus or trade? Because I have yet to read it, but I don't know where to find it. 
Yes, actually, it's been collected a couple different ways. I have the five-volume <laughs> version, which is um, Marvel Mas- Not No, not Marvel Masterworks. Uh, Ralph! Thor Visionaries! Ralph! It's, it's in the other room, so I can't tell you. But it's um, Walt... Marvel Masters or something along those lines, but it there, there's five volumes and it's the complete run, even F, even to the point where Simonson was only the writer and Sal Buscema was the artist, and, and it also includes mm. the Balder the Brave uh, four issue limited series. Now all of those were also collected in an omnibus, which I think uh, like on the Fantastic Cast you could kill vagrants with it. <laughs> oh, I, I miss that they can't do that anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, Stephen's now using floppies to to read from, so maybe you can give him a, a nasty paper cut and pour lemon juice in it. Ow, th- I'd, I'd rather be hit in the head with the omnibus. At least then it's quick. <laughs> Nothing hurts worse than that. <laughs> I, I think that was banned by the Geneva Convention. It could be. It's right up there with mustard gas. But, uh, I mean, that's that's one area of geekdom I'm, I'm in that actually also and I know this is this is going to be shocking to your listeners but I'm about to go on a tangent here uh, I believe that's the name of the show <laughs> but Simonson's Thor combined with Dungeons and Dragons is actually what ultimately led me to my religion hmm. which is it's kind of a, an odd process if you think about it but the the idea behind it was I grew up reading Thor in the comics, whether it was in his own title in Avengers or whatever. Blonde, clean shaven. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I got the Dungeons and Dragons source book, Legends and Lore. And oh, wow, they have a Norse gods section of this. I'm reading, you know, Thor, God of Thunder, red hair with a red beard. What's this? <laughs> so then I went and did more research and found out what was r- real, what was made up by Marvel, what was made up by D&D, etc., etc. And long story short, very long story short. Too late. I, <laughs> I was uh, in search of, to use a Leonard Nimoy phrase... A a new path because I for a while there I grew up Roman Catholic mm-hmm. didn't never really sat well with me. Then I said, "Well, that doesn't work." Obviously, if you're not Catholic, you must must be an atheist. So I went kind of that way. And even though I'm an engineer, there's something in the back of my head that says, "You know, it's, it's the height of egotism to think that humans are the highest form in the universe." So it's okay. Well, what fits? And I did all these, all this different research, and I found. Wait a second. There are still people that worship the Norse gods. I love the Norse gods. Their stuff makes sense to me. So that's where I ended up. I am uh, what you would term a heathen, or uh, for a technical term, as a true, which means that we are the people that actually still worship Thor, Odin, Freyr. And the whole, the whole shebang there. Interesting. And all started with Walt Simonson. Hmm. Well, I, I appreciate that. I mean, that 
Hmm. I'm I not sure where to go with that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I appreciate it. I, I love getting to know my friends a little bit more. And, you know, I, I have no idea where to go from there. Well, where we can go is other geekdoms I'm interested in. And that would also be Star Wars. Uh, big fan of Star Wars. It's one of the things that I'm also a little bit on the snobbish side because I prefer the original trilogy and think that even though it is his creation, I think that George Lucas could have done a much better job on the prequels. I I do agree. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no problem. I, I was just going to say, I especially where they don't line up. I agree. I agree with that. Okay. I think um, for the prequels, he... T- tangent about time, people. <laughs> the uh, original trilogy had so many hands in its creation, whereas it seems in the prequels it was pretty much the George show. And I think too many people said yes, 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 and they didn't have someone like a Pablo Hidalgo or a Dave Filoni to say, eh, we need to, you know, we got to line this up a little bit better. Yeah, well, if you think of it this way, and I've used this argument with people before, pretty much everyone can agree that the best, from a story sense, from a character sense, and from a just film sense, movie of all of the Star Wars movies is The Empire Strikes Back. That happens to be the movie that George Lucas had the least amount of involvement in. Mm -hmm. Because he was out getting money. I mean, he used... His his profit from Star Wars to make The Empire Strikes Back, but they he also needed more than that. So he was out getting money, so he went this and got Irving Kirshner, who was, if I'm my memory is correct, was one of Lucas's professors in film school and gave it to him to do. And even in the editing room, George wasn't all that involved. He was involved to some extent, but he wasn't, you know, like the only one in there. So you had Lucas as idea man, and then all these people making that idea happen. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like you said, especially like in The Phantom Menace, written, produced, directed, edited, practically scored by George Lucas... And by that point, George has had gotten to where he was a major studio. Mm -hmm. And like you said, too many yes men around. No one was able to say to George Lucas, you know, I I don't think that's right. They were all just fawning over him, which can you really blame him? Oh, I I can't. I can't blame him for that. But... uh... When you start going into, okay, Anakin Skywalker, nine years old. Oh, oh okay. Oh, he's now going to date a 16-year-old girl. What? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> uh, do you think there's a little bit of a uh, Freudian thing there? I don't. I'm not too versed in that, so I, I got a C-plus in sociology, so. <laughs> well, all I can think is that it's... Yeah, this is this is what George Lucas would have made Star Wars as if mm-hmm. he had the opportunity. But really, if you want just the ridiculousness of the Anakin Skywalker of the prequels put out there for you, 
they did a robot chicken Star Wars special. And Which one? one? Well, I, I think it was the first one. Mm-hmm. But it's got Luke and Vader in Cloud City, where, you know, Luke, I am your father. No, oh, I know. that's impossible. That's... It's, and I also created C-3PO. No, that's highly, highly improbable. Un... Oh, yeah, I know that bit. <laughs> Just oh. watch that, and you'll get everything that we're talking about. Oh, and the best part was they got Mark Hamill to do Luke. <laughs> that's impossible! And Princess Leia is your sister. That's not true! That's... Improbable! And the Empire will be defeated by Ewoks! That's... very unlikely! And as a child, I built C-3PO! And the Force? Well, that's just microscopic bacteria in your bloodstream called midichlorians. Look, if you're not going to take this seriously, I'm out. Oh, he loves doing stuff like that. He's he's great. Uh, he's also not right in the head. Well, he plays the Joker for what twenty five years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, another question is: Why exactly did you start podcasting, Gene? Uh remember that ego thing I was talking about before. <laughs> I took over because I was listening mainly to Views from the Long Box and the Fire and Water podcast. And some somewhat two true freaks by that point, but mainly those, those two. And I had written in a few times, interacted with everyone, and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, geez, I can do this. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> but... I got into it at more more of an extension of my blog than anything else because uh, I can't remember when I started the thing, but thehammerstrikes.com is my my weekly blog and it's just basically random thoughts. It, you know one week it'll be about. How do you uh, evaluate whether you want to get the Disney dining plan at Walt Disney World? And another week it'll be about uh, Captain America's place in the Avengers. Or just random, all, whatever happens to pop into my head that I want, think I can talk about, that's what I, I do on that. And that's more or less what the podcast developed into, is just me and possibly a guest mainly with a guest recently, but just me going on about, okay, well, this is the topic this month. Could be anything, really. And that's... Because I I consider myself more of a generalist geek than anything else. I, I like and know a little bit about pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm not like... If you talk to Michael Bailey, you will get comic book history and factoids that you never would have thought of. He he knows all that. Oh, I know. Um, I've listened to him. Like I started out with views back in, uh, I think it was maybe 09. <laughs> and, yeah, just his sheer breadth of knowledge is incredible. <laughs> yeah, but you get him out of that box and he'll know stuff. 
but nowhere near to that depth. Whereas I know about the same amount of depth about a lot of different topics, mm, mm-hmm. so, but not anywhere near like that. Like I, there are very few to this day artists that I look at like, a comic book and say, "Oh, well, that's this person." There are a lot of them that I could do that, you know, like John Byrne, Walt Simonson, uh, Sal Buscema, you know, the the ones that have a very, very distinct style. But other ones I'll look at and say, oh, well, this is great art. Oh, it's that person, because I read the name, not because I recognize the art. Yep, I'm the exact same way. I mean, if it's a Jim Lee, oh, yeah, it's Jim Lee. If it's Darwin Cook, oh, yeah. So for me, if it's a very specialized style... I'll know it, but otherwise, ooh, that's pretty. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. And now this is the question I've always wanted to ask you. It's the $64,000 question. All right. How do you possibly listen to all the shows on the Two True Freaks feed? Oh, well, it's... There's actually a two-part answer to that. The first part is speed control. Most of the podcasts I listen to are usually at 1.25 speed. So it takes me less time to listen to an episode. Uh, The other part of that is I'm able to listen at work. So I have an office, which means I can have my phone running with a podcast going while I'm doing my work. So I have all day to listen to podcasts, Mm. plus my commute back and forth. So it, it it's not like I have I would be out in a cubicle or something which would you know other people would be having to listen to what I'm listening to. I'm I can put this in my office, listen to it, someone comes in and talk, I hit pause. So I I have a little more time to devote to it, not necessarily attention, but time. Oh, uh, okay. See I, that was something I've always wondered. <laughs> And I believe you have a nickname for that, Gene. Would you mind telling everyone what it is? Insanity? (laughs) Well, if you go by Shag, it's apparently CDO, which is OCD in Outback Order. Ah. I I was going to go for Gene, the podcasting machine. Well, no, because that's what I produce, not what I listen to. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. (laughs) Alrighty, well... Uh, let's uh, let's take a little break here, refill our uh, mugs, and I'm going to play a promo for Gene's shows. Maybe two. I, I lost count of how many he does, so... <laughs> so just hang on a minute, friends, and we'll be right back. Greetings, podcast listener. Do you like... Or maybe... Dragon Slay! How about... Tatsuo! Ganido! Or... In the year 1999, an abandoned alien battle fortress crash-landed on the planet Earth. Our most brilliant scientists and engineers spent the next ten years reconstructing the damaged ship and studying its highly advanced space technology called Robotech. Do you remember... Or this? The year is after Colony 195, 
As the world constantly changes in the chaotic era, there are two mobile suits that could turn humans into the ultimate weapon. The Wing Zero and the Epion. Or maybe even this. After the desire for blood rules all, the only hope left is the one they call D. Or this. Gene, grappler ships dead ahead! It wouldn't be fun otherwise. Let's do it! Or... If Cardus is allowed to be reborn, she'll destroy Marmo as well as Lodos! Or have you seen the latest episode of... And just like that, everything changed. At that terrible moment, in our hearts, we knew... Home was a pen. Humanity... Cattle. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out Anime Freaks, hosted by Dr. Bill Robinson and me, Gene Hendricks. Anime Freaks is a monthly podcast covering all things anime. It is available at 2TrueFreaks.com and on iTunes under 2 True Freaks Presents Anime Freaks. Technically, I only do three. Oh, okay. <laughs> But I have sub-shows in those. True. Alrighty, so, well, we are back. And what are we going to talk about? Well, this is probably the first Saturday morning cartoon that I just remember striking a chord with me. Now, it's not an 80s cartoon, but it's still a Saturday morning cartoon, so it counts. <laughs> and this yes, is one of the most... I'm, I'm not... Um, I don't think I'm underestimating the fact that this is a groundbreaking show. And my Wikipedia page just died on me. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I would agree. It's definitely a groundbreaker. Uh, it, it really doesn't look like anything else. And for those of you wondering what we're talking about, <laughs> <laughs> this is the first computer-generated animated show... Meow! Series! Really? Do I have to do everything around here? Meow! Reboot! <laughs> oh, wow, friends. This is this is a great show. Now, we're it's a four-season show, so we're not going to go into an episode-by-episode episode discussion. We'd be here till, I'd say, sometime next Friday. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about is I'm going to give a little background information on the show as soon as the page loads again. <laughs> and uh, we're just going to talk about, you know, our favorite characters, things we loved, the fact that we were able to refine it on the internet so we could watch it for this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, Gene, I really do appreciate you helping me with that. <laughs> oh, no, hey, I, I needed to refresh my memory, too, so it was, it was a two-way street here. Okay. So... Let's go into... Uh, wow, there's like 80... There we go. <laughs> okay, so what exactly is Reboot? Well, if you know Tron, think that. Because what it is, it's a TV show where there's um, characters which are known as sprites, and they live inside your computer, and it's pretty much their adventures. And you have... Guardians, or a.k.a. 
uh, well, I was going to say Norton, but they don't exist anymore. It's Symantec. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be Damon, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, you have Guardians who are pretty much antivirus programs, or Tron, only with Rasta hair. <laughs> <laughs> and without a Frisbee. I don't know. I think Glitch turns into a Frisbee every once in a while. Glitch turns into everything. Well, yeah. I love Glitch. And then when you find out, you know, they're sentient? Ooh. Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that, that makes it interesting, definitely. So, let's, uh, according, I'm getting my information from Wiki, so, of course, it may not be 100% accurate, but, hey, if it's good enough to now put on research papers for college, it's good enough for me. <laughs> okay, so Reboot initially was conceived in 1980. Wow. By the British creative collective The Hub, made up of John Grace, Ian Pearson, Gavin Blair, and Phil Mitchell. The latter two moved, so that would be Gavin Blair and Phil Mitchell, moved to Vancouver to develop the series there. Pearson and Blair, by this time, had created some of the first widely seen CGI characters in the Dire Straits music video, Money for Nothing. I have no idea who they are. You have got to be kidding me. Well, I probably recognize the song, but I have no idea. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm one of those guys who, oh, I know that song. I just, I, I don't know bands. <laughs> uh, you're killing me. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you might have seen the parody video for Money for Nothing, which was uh, the Beverly Hillbillies as done by Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know that song. Okay. Uh, have you seen the video for that song? Yes. Okay. That's the style of computer animation that they're talking about. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. That. Okay. I'm with you now. Yeah. Just that was in UH, UHF, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Okay. Do you feel better that I know what UHF is? I feel much better that you know what UHF is. Okay. <laughs> you don't make me feel quite so ancient. <laughs> Okay, returning to the paragraph. However, technology was not yet advanced enough to make the show in the desired way. Yeah, at this time, friends, Windows 3.1 hadn't been invented yet. And for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, you know what Windows 10 is? It was Windows 1. So, <laughs> there. Uh, 3D animation tests began in earnest in 1990, and Reboot had achieved its detailed look by 1991. Now, again, friends... When we say detailed look, if you compare it to today's CGI shows like Star Wars Rebels, Nickelodeon's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or the uh, Transformers Prime series, it looks primitive compared to those. So don't don't expect that. But at the time, this was groundbreaking. This this had never been done. Um, the closest I could say in quality would be the Starfighter sequences in the Last Starfighter. Which is a very highly underrated movie, in my opinion. Oh, yes. I love that movie. In fact, if you listen to one of the podcasts I do, that the Last Starfighter theme is our theme. I, I Tangent abound time. I <laughs> actually came up with like a little fan fiction with that, where it focuses on um, Alex's and what, what was his girlfriend's name? Oh, man. I can't remember now. Wow! Maggie! Seriously, you had a crush on her for two years. How did you forget Maggie? Wow, I swear. 
both of you. Anyhow, it was their son, and he was supposed to, you know, be like the next great pilot, but he's like, how do I live up to this legacy? How My dad saved the galaxy. Mm. What well, am I, how am I supposed to live up to that? That is a good tactic to take. You know, classic uh, living in your father's shadow. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, hey, Zur escaped. It probably took him time to build up an army again. Yeah. And so, he couldn't go back to the Kodans. They didn't want anything to do with him after that. Well, they probably would have killed him on sight. <laughs> okay. So, production continued on future episodes, and the show aired in 1994 after enough episodes had been produced. This was a painstaking process, as no other company had at this time worked on a 3D animation project of this scale, and the software used was new to all in the company. Now, this is true, friends, because if you think, well, at this time, wouldn't like Toy Story or Jurassic Park have been made? Yes, absolutely. But I found an article, and now I can't find it again, <laughs> where the developers of Reboot said, yeah, you know, you had 10 minutes of CGI for Jurassic Park, about 80 minutes of CGI for Toy Story 1. They had 13-episode series, which translates to about six hours of CGI, and they're using computers that are the equivalent of your TI-84 calculator, friends. And and really, this... Because producing a movie is something that you can do over a long period of time. Producing a television show... Yeah, they, they did a big ramp-up to it here, but once it got on the air, they had to continue that schedule for the next season. Mm-hmm. So they had to be able to do it in a quick and efficient manner. So that was not something that you can compare to a Toy Story, really. And this this is one of those shows that brought about other fully CGI, which I think a comparable one to this would be uh, Transformers Beast Wars. Oh, absolutely. Because it was on the same general time period, same style of uh, models that they used on it. You know, not super detailed. Some, you know, a little wonky mechanics every now and again, but same general feel to it. And if... And I know people love Beast Wars and Beast Machines. I'm one of them. That if Reboot never happened, I don't think you would have gotten Beast Wars. No. Actually, I just looked up Beast Wars, and they were also done by Mainframe. So Aha. the guys who did Reboot did Beast Wars. That explains why they look so similar. <laughs> uh, tangent about time. Dinobot was always my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his death in Season 2? Oh, man. <laughs> well, just where they went from that. You could tell that the people that did that loved the original Transformers. Mm-hmm. Especially when they found the Ark. Oh, and that was great. <laughs> I when when Optimus Prime took in Prime Spark while they're rebuilding him, and he turns into Optimal Optimus. Yes. I begged my grandparents for the 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 toy. Ha! I I I got it. I was amazed by it. I was never able to transform it. That thing was in, was. Insane to 
to put together and to take apart and oh yeah you would think oh it turns into a tank it turns into a jet turns into a robot and a gorilla (laughs) that was an insane transformer and you really learned just how extensive engineering went into these little toys oh yeah oh yeah i i mean even the ones that i had were much much simpler than that but still just because you had when i was growing up it was you had transformers and gobots well, GoBots, mm-hmm. it was like a three-step change. It's like, okay, you pull the legs out, you flip this back, you put the arms up. It's now a robot. <laughs> Whereas Transformers, you have to sit there and say, okay, i got to turn this around, I have to flip this down, I have to put that up, and now this moves over here, and that comes over here, and now i got to put the hands on. and all. It, it was involved. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing the thought that went into these things. Yeah, I remember the uh, instruction book. It was one of those fold-out, you know, like a map. I think it was about as big as one of those maps of the U.S. <laughs> and it was front and it was front and back. Instructions by Rand McNally. <laughs> okay, well, let's get back to reboot. Yes. Um, like I said, I fell in love with this show because I was just watching it. And I'm like. At the time, computers were the big thing back then, friends. Nowadays, everybody takes them for granted, but back then, they were still coming into their own. We didn't ha- The internet was in its infancy. The fact that you could have computers talk to each other in the same room was pretty mo- amazing. And they took these concepts that, oh, we have two computers talk to each other, and they made a story out of it, and they put these characters in... And you cared about them. Oh yeah. And you gave them great villains. Um, we'll get in, we'll get into you know some of our favorite characters and moments in a minute. But yeah, I mean, rewatching it, you may go, oh, this doesn't look that good. And to be fair, it hasn't aged well, but it's still enjoyable because if you just look at it from a story point, especially when a certain event happened hmm. and it switched from ABC to uh, YTV for the between the second and third seasons and they were actually able to tell a story. Things got much better and it, it's just incredible what they were able to do. Yeah, it's it started off and was kind of a silly plot of the week kind of mm-hmm. thing. And it eventually, even towards the end... Because when, when they realized that they were going to get canceled in the second season, they just said, oh, well, the heck with it then. <laughs> Let, let's do what we want to do and progress towards a story. And then they ended the second season on a cliffhanger. Yeah. So they kind of they wanted to pull you in. It's like, hey, if you like us, make, make us come back somewhere. All righty. Um, yeah, well, reboot. Yeah, as you mentioned, the first season was pretty much Adventure of the Week. Um, and then season two, things really started getting a sequential story. <laughs> and I'll never forget the uh, episode where they had the X-Files cameo with um, Scully and Mo- yeah, Modem. Was, Fax Modem and uh, what, what was Scully's name? Uh, I, I think... I think it was just Scully because they couldn't do Scuzzy because that was a Hexadecimal's pet. Yeah, uh, like Data Scully or something like that. Yeah. And actually, I looked it up, and they did get Gillian Anderson to do her voice for that. 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was like, holy crap. Well, and I I can see why David Duchovny wouldn't want to do it because the the way they portrayed that character on reboot, <laughs> the, the guy was moping around constantly. <laughs> Is he always this random? <laughs> Not always. Oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, the way it en- the the second season ended was you had this to give you some background, friends. You had the web. So now it's not like this nice everybody talks to everybody web. This was something out of like HP Lovecraft. Would, would you say so, Gene? Yeah, if you if you look at it like this was the main idea was that mainframe was on someone's computer and mm-hmm. it was someone that played games, so it had to be a personal computer. And it wasn't connected to the web, because back in 1994, you still had modems. (laughs) You still had dial-up. So most people were not connected to the web. So the web was this other. It was this outside thing where uh, here be dragons, essentially. You know, I mean, at least that's that's the way they portray it. Because this is oh, in in the episode that we're talking about, a portal to the web opens up, and mm-hmm. Bob, the main character Bob the Guardian, his immediately thing is we're going to be attacked. Get the defenses up. That's his first go to thing because there are creatures out there, uh, not necessarily viruses so much, but just. Things that will come in and eat your system. Right. And, yeah, I, I know we kind of missed the characters, so we'll, uh, let, let's talk about, in the final battle, you know, you have the good guys and the bad guys teaming up. Think Autobots, Decepticons teaming up to fight Unicron. Good way to put it. Um, so, the heroes, our first one is Bob. He's the... Guardian. He's, like I said, the antivirus software. His mission is to mend tears or broken code and keep the system running and fight off viruses. Now, I always liked Bob. Bob was, I think, a bit of a goof, but when push came to shove, he would, he'd stand up for it. Yeah, he, he, he was the hero. Uh, he could be a bit flighty at times, but he was the guy that knew what had to be done and how to save everybody. Mm-hmm. And he had a little device called Glitch, which all guard, which like the top guardians had. And Glitch is pretty much a multi-tool. It can be anything he needs it to be, whether it's uh, a shield, a sword, an electric guitar. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into that in our favorite moments that part. <laughs> Meow. No, they don't. So I have to fix it. Enjoy, friends. Meow. Everyone, 
He uh, and his main bad guy is a virus in the system called Megabyte. Now, Megabyte is... Well, well, first off, we have Tony J doing the voice for Megabyte, and just that dark British accent of his. Oh, he... I couldn't have picked... You couldn't have picked a better voice actor for him. Yeah, he... I know him, his voice anyway, from a PlayStation game called uh blood omen the legacy of kane mm, mm-hmm. where he was the idea was that your character uh is killed like within the first five minutes of the game and you become a vampire and this he plays the chief vampire and so his voice is all throughout the game it is it is great i come from the net Systems, people, and cities to this place. Megaframe. My domain. Also to tie it to Disney, if you watch The Hunchback of Notre Dame, he's the uh, Judge Frollo. Yes. And oh man, that that Hellfire song of his, man, that that still get <laughs> that gets to me every time. Yeah, he does a really good job of that. So Megabyte is this crafty guy. Now there are other citizens of the of the city uh, called binomes, which are supposed to be like ones and zeros. The ones are like these three cubes stacked on top of each other with, you know, like an eyeball on the top and they have a mouth on the bottom. 
Yes. Okay. And then the zeros are just like these big sphere guys. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize that they were ones and zeros when I first started watching it. Yeah, because I just thought, oh, they're just, you know, like lower sprites because they had those long multicolored strips of the ones and zeros flying around. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I I never got that those were just more evolved forms of that, so... And there was actually a few Easter eggs they uh, the creators put into those little ones and zeros. We'll we'll get into in the uh, <laughs> standards and practices. <laughs> so Meg Megabyte tries to bring them over to his side. He they they all have these little triangle icons which contains their code, and you know he wants to infect the whole system and turn it into his kingdom, and then travel out into the net, which is all the big computers, they call it the supercomputer, to spread his virus forces and pretty much be evil Emperor Megabyte. Yeah. He, he is... I, the, I compare Megabyte a lot to... He's a little more overt, but to the uh, Superman the Animated Series version of Lex Luthor. Oh, that, yeah, that's a, that's a great comparison. Because he's he's got all this he's got this power base, and you can't really do anything to him. But every now and again, he'll try and exert control over here, and then get pushed back or con- control over here. And there are times where he wins, mm-hmm. and the good guys really can't do anything about it. Yep, and and we also have the other main villain, Megabyte's crazy sister, Hexadecimal. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh yes. Now won't this be interesting? Now Hexadecimal is an interesting character because she starts off as a bad guy who pretty much looks well. She definitely has a severe S and M influence. Ha <laughs> ha. Who? Has and her face is a mask, and she would move her hand up and down, and it would change from you know happy, sad. I'm about to eat your face. <laughs> yeah, that that was interesting because you have this animation where everybody else is fully animated, and her face is always literally a unmoving mask, mm-hmm. but that will just change with her her mood. And the way they played it was just brilliant. And. Uh... Things happen, and Hex becomes, actually, goes through a huge character arc, and pretty much saves everyone. <laughs> uh, that And that happened in Season 4, so I, I don't want to jump yeah. too far ahead. <laughs> now, in adi- now, helping Bob are Dot Matrix, his sort of girlfriend... And her little brother, Enzo Matrix. Now, and now Dot is a really... How do I want to put this? She, she's smarter than Bob. She come, she's the tactician of the show. Yes. Well, we'll, we'll put it this way. There's, there's an episode in the first season called The Crimson Binome. Oh, yeah. Where it's a, it's a pirate episode. <laughs> and... Bob can't beat the pirate with, you know, sword fighting or anything like this. Dot beats him by saying, I can maximize your, your profit ratio. It's just, it's, 
it's terrific. And she's now that I know a little bit more, the terms that she throws around in that is like, oh, I I know what she's talking about. Yeah, they're actually using this term correctly. It's hilarious. Oh yeah, Dot was always one of my favorites. Now, yeah, here's the problem with Dot in the first two seasons, friends. ABC had broadcast standards and practices. Now, these guys were known as BS and P. I tend to think of them as just BS. Ah. Now, there's a few things I, I can agree with, but for the most part, they were insane. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, it's it's like if you consider cent- uh, TV and radio censors from like the mm-hmm. 1950s, they will look at these guys and say, "You're going too far." Yeah, only these guys were going too far. That, oh. That's what I mean. The, the guys from the 50s would be like, "Wait, no, <laughs> that no, you're you're going overboard here." Poor Dot really suffered at the hands of these people. They made her as unfeminine-looking as possible. Well, I wouldn't go that far. They they had a specific complaint about the amount... What was the, the exact terminology? The amount of memorial cleavage? <laughs> <laughs> or something like that? But apparently they had no problem with her having a shapely behind, which I noticed watching today. Ah. Well... Now, if you, but if you compare Dot to Mouse... Oh, yes. Mouse is definitely... Well, even hexadecimal. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, sex equals bad, so the bad guys can be sexy. Yep, that was that was it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the funny part, which I just found out now, is the voice actress for, for Dot, uh, Kathleen Barr, mm-hmm. I, I found a picture of her. Uh, I'm going to share it in the chat. And it's basically, she's a, a, a voice actress that has done a number of things. Most recently, that I would know of because of my eight-year-old daughter, is she's the great and powerful Trixie on My Little Pony. Oh, okay. But if you look at her and look at this picture, she is the spitting image of Dot. Oh, wow. Down to the hair. That the hair, the smile, the nose, yeah, yeah, she, she is the spitting image. So you're you're kind of wondering, you know, did standards and practices say this, knowing that this real woman looked this way, <laughs> or what? I don't know. I'm trying to. F- I oh, you shouldn't have given me the one with all the people. I'm now trying to figure. Okay, I know that show. I know that show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, now let's. Well, since we talked about Mouse a little bit, let's go into Mouse. She is the Southern femme fatale. <laughs> Good way to put that. Yes, and it's obvious through again the pirate episode that she and Bob have a history, and. I'm pretty sure she wants to swap some code with Bob. Well, the the one episode in the third season where they find Bob and bring him back, she basically she has him bent over backwards, giving him such a deep kiss. Oh yeah, so, I remember that. 
Yeah, so she uh, she definitely has feelings for him that she later denies to Dot. But I don't believe her. I don't think Dot believes Yeah, I don't think she was denying it. I think she was just more stepping aside. Well, she said, uh, are you still upset about that little kiss I gave him? A little kiss? I think your tongue hit his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, Let's talk about the main... Well, he starts off as the sidekick and becomes the main character, Enzo. Now... And, and I'm sorry, I could never take him seriously. I mean, it, when they changed his name, when he started referring to himself as Matrix, okay. But Enzo, to me, will always be from The Godfather. I don't know how familiar you are with the movie or the book, The Godfather. I, I have seen one. And okay. Two. In in the first movie, there's the the baker comes to Don Corleone asking that his assistant be allowed to stay after the war is over and everything. And the guy the assistant's name is Enzo. And he event he eventually goes to the hospital to visit Don Corleone when he's been shot. And Michael's there, and Michael, you know, is trying to get him out. Who, who are you? I am Enzo, the baker. And that, every time I hear the name Enzo, I mentally put on the baker after it. <laughs> okay. But, um, yeah, and Enzo pretty much fits the um, geeky sidekick character. You know, he's the annoying kid. You just, he means well, but it's like just... Stop. Stop. His enthusiasm his enthusiasm is at eleven. Oh yeah. But then he has his dog Frisket. Oh, I love Frisket. But I'm a dog person, so you know it's <laughs> I see my dogs in that, really. Well, when you have a dog who can literally bite a tank and throw it. Okay, so he's crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Oh, oh. Why didn't they ever do a reboot with that? Huh. Okay. They should have. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, it, and the the reason we keep saying stuff like that is for those of you that are not super familiar with the show is they the user would input games and each game was different and in order for them to the the AIs, Bob and his friends to win the game, they would have to reboot and then they would become characters in the game. And this is also a way to explain Everyone that claims that their computer cheats at games, this is why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it actually does cheat at games. <laughs> well, th there's a good reason, friends, because and to this day, I still feel guilty playing a game every once in a while because of this show. <laughs> because if you play the... If us, the users, play the game and we win... All the innocent sprites and binomes who get trapped in the game who... They die. Well, they don't, they don't necessarily die. They get nullified. They get turned into these little slug-like things. Yeah, but that's pretty much... They're dead. <laughs> I would say that's worse than death, really. Yeah. Unless you're hexadecimal, then you make, like, Nullzilla out of it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun episode. Oh, yeah. We, the, the Friends, this these 
the writers loved geek stuff. I mean, we mentioned the X-Files references. There's Star Trek references. There's Star Wars references. <laughs> There's... Okay, the best Star Trek reference is there's this rectangle guy, a number one. Okay, first off, there is a number one who has the Riker beard, and it's called number one. (laughs) (laughs) And standing next to him is the Captain Picard binome, and he gives Megabyte this, You have come this far, Megabyte, this far and no further! You know, doing the, the whole riff of the first contact speech. (laughs) <laughs> and Megabyte disintegrates him. <laughs> As many of us wanted to do sometimes. Well, at least he didn't surrender. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now, Enzo, I, I rewatched this episode, Andrea, and Mainframe actually had a sister city. And their father and a lot of kids, families. It, it, I think it was more like the residential part of the of mainframe. Well, their father was a scientist, and he was ex- had an experiment. It went wrong, and it destroyed the city. So Enzo is the only kid, pretty much, in all of mainframe. And. Mm. When they had the episode Andrea, and he mentions, you know, if my if Dad hadn't done this, I'd have some friends. I mean, that's that's pretty hard hitting for a, for a cartoon at, at that time. Oh yeah, I mean, this was literally on Saturday morning, so this this is aimed at kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I actually looked up fall of '94 the uh, the stuff it was up against. And I mean, we're talking. This is the time when you had Animaniacs on TV, Batman the Animated Series, The Tick, X Men, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, the, the this was you know it was advancing. You know, it, we're not talking about kiddie stuff, really, Mm-mm. but it's also not meant solely for adults. This is this is stuff where you have kids watching it. Because it's on at nine thirty in the morning, you know. I know when I in ninety four, I was not up at nine thirty in the morning most times. So you had the kids focusing on stuff like this. So yeah, that's that's like having uh, Star Trek the animated series way back when. Say, oh yeah, that that guy that you you think is the devil. Well, he's just a trickster that's misunderstood. Mm-hmm. That went by the censors. <laughs> no one caught that one. Okay, yeah. Tangent abound. I have got to get that complete Star Trek Blu-ray series they announced. <laughs> Simply because I want the... I, I may have to turn on my geek card. I have not seen the entire original series. Well, you can always do what we're doing. What our family is doing. Now that Star Trek is 50 years old. Mm-hmm. I've gone back and I've found the original air dates for the episodes and we are watching the original series episode on the 50th anniversary of its original airing. Oh, nice. Which is actually very interesting because we sit down as a family and watch it and I've seen them all multiple times. My wife has seen some of them and some of them she's she either hasn't seen or just doesn't remember. 
And my daughter has basically seen none of them. So we're coming at it very oddly, but it's it's interesting some of the discussions that go on. I, what was the one we just watched last week was Mud's Women. Uh-huh. So that was fun. Because mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I know what's going on. My wife, on the other hand, when he says his name's Leo Walsh, she thinks his name is Leo Walsh. <laughs> she doesn't know he's lying. So it, it it's fun. But yeah, I would recommend, and the uh, I believe, I know at least, the original series, the animated series, Next Gen, and DS9 are on all complete on Netflix. Yep, yep. I've been going through DS9 for... Uh, yeah. Listen to the prophets. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm two episodes behind, unfortunately. That's why I haven't written into them recently. <laughs> oh, that's all right. You got six months before they get to work. <laughs> yeah, but I've I've made a habit of writing in there regularly, so they're going to worry if I'm you know sick or something if I don't write in. Alex, no, I... <laughs> oh, they have W. Blaine Dowler. <laughs> yes. Well, he he writes pre feedback. Ah. Ah, you're you're going to be on this episode. Let me watch it and give you my ideas then. Or I I I just guessed it on a couple of them. Well, the ones that aired recently, I guessed it on, which was like a month and a half before they they came out. I just I wrote an email and saying to quote the the sage George Carlin. Pardon me, I have nothing to say. Well, we either lost a Skype call or I lost you no, on that. Purpose. No, I'm 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 still here. I just I I I, I, I missed half the. Uh, sorry, I, I was thinking what to say, and I'm like, so I missed part of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I just brought up an obscure George Carlin reference, so well, I'm pretty well, sure you didn't get it. No, no, I. Well, actually, that's probably the only George Carlin reference we can get that I can put in the show. <laughs> Besides, gentlemen. We're history. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, okay. Where were, uh, and, okay, so... All that to say, in this episode, Andrea... Enzo ends up in a game, and he meets a young girl, slash mermaid, slash Mara, from Aquaman type, who's a game sprite, so... If she, whether win or lose, when the game is ends, she'll leave in the with the game. Well, she makes a copy of herself and downloads it into Enzo's little icon, and now Enzo has a buddy. And w- which was pretty cool. I loved Andrea. I I liked her better in season three. Well, let, uh, up. yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Because Andrea was just, okay at the season two finale, while the, all the bad guys and good guys are fighting, of course Megabyte betrays them all, and he shoots Bob off into the web, and the and right before this battle, Bob says, "Okay, Enzo, I'm going to turn you into a guardian recruit." Once we win, I'll be sending you to the Guardian Academy. Well, now that Bob's gone, the only hope for mainframe is this 12-year-old boy. Hmm. 
And but he actually does a sort of good job. I mean, nobody actually blows up. No, I mean, <laughs> from what you see, he does the best job he is capable of doing. Right. Because Bob has, for the, the first two seasons, Bob has been teaching him, hey, you know, you need to learn this stuff. Because he doesn't want Enzo coming into the games initially. Oh, no. In, but, in fact, when they meet Andrea, he's like, no, do you think the games are a game? No, they're life <laughs> or death. Yeah, but he's – Enzo co- ends up in there, so Bob just throws up his hands. And says, okay, fine. If you're going to be in here, you're going to learn how to do it. Right. So that you get to that point where he at least has some experience. But then mm-hmm. once Bob is gone, Enzo is more or less lost. So Dot more points him as, okay, well, we need you to do this. And then they get to a point where Enzo, with Andrea and Frisket in the game, loses. Right. In the, um, in the Mortal Kombat ripoff. Yes. Where they fight Zaytan. Not Satan, it's Zaytan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, no similarity whatsoever. Actually, I think Tim Curry might be able to sue him because of the horns. <laughs> I was thinking the guy from Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> but, um, and also, to show the difference between Season 2 and Season 3. Bureau of Standards and Practices, in Season 2, there's a b- birthday episode with Enzo and... Apparently, standards and practices through a fit with Dot kissing Enzo on the cheek. You know, like an older sister would. Because they said, quote, it would be incest. The directors of the show said, are you insane? That is the most disgusting thing we have ever heard. And I agree yeah, with I that. Mean, you think about it, and the quote from The Princess Bride comes up. I do not think that word means what you think it means. Inconceivable. <laughs> I mean, God, I that no, that's a brother and sister mm-hmm. having a moment. That's it. Yep. Not, not every kiss is sexual. No. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. No, I oh, agree, four hundred percent. In fact, I, I've got the uh, broadcast standards and practices. Some of the things they did. The second season episode, Bad Bob, which is a Mad Max ripoff. Meow! Again! They don't talk about it! Man, you guys! I'm getting really tired of this! Well, what Bad Bob was, was it was submitted to standards and practices. They rejected it. They resubmitted it without changing anything, and it was approved! These guys are idiots! And these podcasters... Aaron, you owe me a lot of treats, man! (laughs) And written by, holy crap, Dan DiDio? Oh, yeah. Uh, One of the episodes I I watched today was written by Marv Wolfman. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding. Wow. The the co-creator of the new Teen Titans, writer of Crisis on Infinite Earths, wrote an episode of Reboot, at least one episode. And for those of you who may not know who Dan DiDio is, he's the creator of Harley Quinn. There you go. <laughs> uh, no. I am wrong. Go ahead. <laughs> Paul Dini is the creator oh, of Harley right. Quinn. Wait, it, wait, is this Dan DiDio as in... As in the current DC uh, Comics, yes. 
the the man behind the well, new that, 52. Well, that explains a few things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, he started in TV. Yeah. Oh, how, how did I mix up Paul Dini, Batman God, with Dan DiDio? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you put something I, in that tea of yours. Apparently. What, what are they putting in my cinnamon tea? <laughs> but, um, yeah, remember how I was talking about the uh, ones and zeros on this little, like, monorail track going mm. in rainbow colors? In one episode, in binary, they wrote, Frack you, broadcast standards. <laughs> yeah, and when we got to season three, oh, you could tell there was a huge difference because Dot suddenly had cleavage. <laughs> she was suddenly allowed to have cleavage. I re- the, the best part was when Mouse, who she had a little bit of cleavage in the second season... But then she she went into her battle armor <laughs> as is essentially a low cut bustier. <laughs> oh yeah, it it made Xena look chaste. Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> in fact, there was even a Xena reference in the show. We'll get into that in a second <laughs> because I just watched that episode. I love that episode. <laughs> so, and when Enzo loses the game against not Satan. He gets his right eye destroyed. There, there, it, the devil guy does a fire uppercut and literally blinds him in the eye. And you see it. Yes. That is huge. And they lose the game. Now, Andrea manages to turn... It's just her, Enzo, and Frisket, kind of the... Uh, the Guardians and point zero point five, they turn their icons into game sprites, so they leave with the game. They're not nullified, but everyone in mainframe thinks he's just been. They've just been nullified. And the look on Dot's face when when that happens, I mean, that is just that's heart wrenching. Oh yeah, because she thinks that her her brother has just been evaporated. Yeah, she has just lost. The only family she had left. Mm-hmm. So our very next, so our very next episode. Th- I remember the first time I watched this episode. This was on when it uh, aired on Toonami, which was pretty much my gateway to anime. And I was like, "Wait, the- there's a third season." <laughs> I- yeah, I- I'm just it, used it- to Bob getting shot off, and that that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those things that I I discovered later on. Is like, oh wait, they continue this. It went to syndication. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, remember how I said, friends, that Dot got cleavage. Not only did she get cleavage, she got in the first game they go into. It's a uh, horror game. <laughs> so the user is. I am not kidding. Ash from the Evil Dead movies, and we do have a groovy. <laughs> Enzo turns into Michael Jackson from Thriller, and Dot, they say Morticia from Adam's Family, no, not in that dress, she's no. Elvira. <laughs> Easily Elvira, yeah, because Morticia did not have it quite that low cut. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
So, yeah, that... Where was that going? So, yeah, things... Character models really changed a bit. So when we get introduced to... When we catch back up to Enzo, Andrea, and Frisket... Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm 14 at the time. And I suddenly started noticing girls. (laughs) So I am not ashamed to admit... And to quote Michael Bailey, if I was a drawing. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, that's a, because what they explain is that uh, the time in the games moves at a faster rate than time in mainframe. Right. So Enzo, Andrea, and Frisket are using the games to try and get back to mainframe. So they're in there a lot. So they age. And mm-hmm. now they are adults. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah. Uh, it, uh, the, the best description of Andrea's outfit is uh, more or less Disney's Little Mermaid. Yeah, pretty much. That's about all she's wearing up top. Yep. And boy, is it nice and... <clears throat> this is a family show, For remember? Family show, yeah. Oh, oh well, I can always edit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let, let's let's go into. I'll, I'll talk about the character models. Enzo look, is just a big bruiser. He's. I don't know what he eats in games, but um, I think he's been hitting, uh, spiking his uh, energy drink a little bit because. Yeah, he's huge. Yes. But it makes sense because he said this whole time he's training so he can go one on one with Megabyte when he gets home. On yeah, and Andrea. Whoo! <laughs> <laughs> she she had some curves. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> her code was good to her. <laughs> oh, it was good to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, first episode where we see him as adults and they reboot, it's a fantasy game, so Enzo turns into William Wallace from Braveheart and Andrea turns into Xena, complete with a Gabrielle uh, sidekick. Hmm. I have never wanted to be in a fantasy game more than that. <laughs> <laughs> And well, it's certainly better than the one where they had Mike the TV with them. Hey, don't let, let's not go knocking Mike the TV for supporting cast. He's actually he's he's one of my favorite supporting cast just because he's so hilarious. Oh yeah, he's he is hands down the best comic relief character of the show, second only to Al and what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike the TV. I love Mike the TV. Of course, again, Crimson Binome, we have a pirate. And not just a pirate, a pirate who's just awesome and plays a big role in the show later on. Uh, he does. It, it's amazing that they brought him back for that, but I, I liked how he, he got worked in. Oh, by the code he was used so well. <laughs> I still use that line every once in a while. Um... So Matrix and Andrea are traveling around the, the games, and I gotta hand it to the writers—they made all the games unique, 
only very rarely did they ever use like the same theme or same even the same game. And yeah, just for sheer variety. I mean, we have the the pilot episode is pretty much Star Wars or Wing Commander. Right. And the Andrea episode is an underwater theme and like I said Mortal Kombat. There's a in season 4 <laughs> there's a Pokemon reference and Bob turns into Godzilla. <laughs> and 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 Anzo's Ash catch him. So yeah. Oh, and the the one where where they first where they first come back as adults, the game that they use to get into the one system before the fantasy game is a Mars Attacks game. And they're going, ah, 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 Yeah, ah. <laughs> you have subtitles, but everything I say is ak It's hilarious. Oh, and that's where you find out that Enzo, or I should say Matrix, has replaced his damaged eye with a cybernetic targeting system. It's great. And then he has... Well, he has Glitch, but Megabyte pretty much broke her. Yeah, uh, Glitch got crunched. So, she can still do basic features, but she's, well, glitching pretty bad. And so Enzo, oh, Matrix, I'll I'll probably be, I I gotta switch to Matrix now. Mm. He has Gun. One of the coolest looking guns I've seen, and it makes sense because it's pretty much Han Solo's blaster on steroids <laughs> without it being a cable gun. Yes, it it did not fall into that 90s trap. Right. It actually looked like something someone could hold and not, you know... Uh, let, let, let's not go there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um... So yeah, they're they're traveling through. It just well they and then they find out that there's a virus out there that's been infecting all the guardians, called Damon, and mm. that that played into a big plot point in season four. But honestly, I didn't know it existed until I found the. I was like a, an FYE and going through the DVD rack and said reboot. Oh, okay, well, season four. Yeah, it's, it's some again. I didn't know that that existed either until you know just doing the research for the show, and right. I I did not watch any of those episodes. I just was flipping around through the first three seasons just to refresh my memory. Yeah, I will say this: they're great. The ending, you will break something. <laughs> well, apparently, if Wikipedia is to be believed, they are trying to develop a sequel series which I don't know how far they're coming but it's called Reboot the Guardian Code and that that would be nice because friends let me just end it say this the fourth season ends again on a cliffhanger because from what I've seen in my research they had planned the fourth season was three two hour movies and they had the first two done and they aired on Toonami and Cartoon Network but something happened, and they didn't get the funding to finish the story. So it ends on this great cliffhanger where Megabyte has 
Okay. Season 3, Megabyte's defeated. Everybody's happy. Season 4, Megabyte comes in. I'm not saying how, because <laughs> it was really great. But he's, like, doing his fame. You know, Tony J gives just a great end speech. And you're like, yes! And there's nothing. <laughs> no payoff. No payoff. Now, that said, there is a webcomic. I'm not sure if this is official or done by fans. I'm, I keep getting conflicting reports that finish the story. But as far as I know, it's not official canon. Which is very sad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, even, even if they do that, it's still, if they end up making a sequel series, it'll probably get superseded anyway. Mm-hmm. That's how these things tend to work. Yep. Well, uh, see Star Wars Expanded Universe for further details. <laughs> yeah, when, when, once that happened, I was like, well, everything I know no longer matters, does it? <laughs> so, this is a great series. Um, there's a lot of comedy, but like we said, in the following seasons it definitely got dark um now have you seen the episode where it's the megabyte matrix fight uh no i i have not or at least i'm i haven't recently i don't remember seeing it prior to that either okay i will say it is worth everything we wanted to see okay well i'm gonna have to because, like I said, I just jumped around a lot, so I'm going to have to sit down and go through these in order now and just rewatch them because they're they're that good. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm going to be doing the same thing because it, it it is that great a show. And again, we can't stress how groundbreaking this was because this is what, like we said earlier, pushed computer animation. Um. Now are there now are there any other characters or like little well, bitch you want, want to talk well, about? We mentioned Mike the TV, and he's if anyone remembers the Beetlejuice cartoon, I do. Yeah, they had the TV stuff on that where it was you know kind of the annoying bits that they would do. Mike does a lot of the same stuff, but he's also a character. And at one point, he gets to be a reporter, which is hilarious. You have a television being a television reporter, and he's he's so over the top in every single thing he does. It's just, it's a joy to watch him. I will say this, in season four, he gets to play a preacher. Oh, God. And, and does that whole, I've seen the light! And he he has he has a musical number. <laughs> oh, I have to watch that. <laughs> yeah. I was standing at the crossroads, a huge celebrity. Soon room came for me. I said, Damn. 
I was restored. Thank you. Oh, the word is so high, you can't get over it. So low that you can't get under it. And so wide, you can't get around it. Oh, and it's rolled caps, too. There's no escaping it. Oh, you go, girl. Yeah, uh, but I mean, really, you get these binomes that come in, and a lot of them are just, like, generic, but a few of them have personality, and there's this one pair of a one and a zero, and I believe one of them is named Binky, and they're the these, like, proper British people, uh... That in one ep- in one episode they're piloting a stealth bomber in a game, and they you know the one throws a bomb or the zero actually throws a bomb out the side and goes into the the jet intake and he looks over, uh, Binky old boy, I think we've snuffed it. <laughs> it's it's just hilarious because they just show up, yeah, you know, they're just there randomly. Oh yeah, I've actually got them pulled up. The one is Algernon Colmondy Worthington the third. All right. And the zero is Binky Farfquasson. <laughs> I wish I could make. I wish I was making that up. Oh. But they're they're just so fun to watch. Oh yeah, and that's the best thing with the show is you'll see all these little binome cameos, and you're like, oh, I saw him in this one, and I saw him in that one, and it's just, oh. Oh, and uh, we we have to mention Ray Tracer. You mean the Silver Surfer? The Web Surfer. Uh-uh. <laughs> but yes, he is essentially the, the mainframe version of the Silver Surfer, because he has the phenomenal cosmic power, rides a surfboard. It's it's hilarious. So do you think he went surfing with Mouse a little bit? <clears throat> uh, could be, could be, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, in fact, because of Ray, I, I I can't say anything about it, but I'll say Ray does play a major role in my frustration with the show. Aha! <laughs> uh, he like Galactus to mainframe? <laughs> no comment. I have Undo to watch that. this show. <laughs> I, I have to watch this show. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> but, uh... He just, and what really, like we mentioned with the games being unique, when Matrix and Andrea are going on their little net hopping, all the different systems they go to, they all look different. Yeah, they look different. They have different kinds of uh, binomes and sprites in them. Uh, It's the amount of writing that went into this series is nothing short of astounding. Mm -hmm. Just the time they had to spend to come up with these ideas. Because you you could say, okay, every game is going to be A, B, or C. But no, they they didn't repeat themselves. And even the genres that repeated, the games were completely different. So they did a great job on this. And And the animators lived up to it. You know, they they brought these ideas in from the writer's side, and the animation just made it shine. This is a one of those rare times where a, 
a cartoon series had everything firing on all cylinders. Absolutely. I, I cannot I, – I 100% agree with that one. Um, I, I'm just thinking of like some of the best little moments. Um, oh, Mouse with, with all the double-crossing with Megabyte. Oh, she – yeah, she played everybody. <laughs> and it, it's it's hilarious in the the one episode where the uh, you have the the X Files thing going on. Mm-hmm. They suspect her. Why do they suspect Mouse? Because well, Mouse has fangs, and this thing that captured my sister when I was a kid it had fangs. Okay, <laughs> but she doesn't do anything to dissuade them. She just said, "Trust me." I'm not this. I'm not this thing. Just trust me. Instead of coming out and saying, "No, I'm actually doing this, that, and the other," mm-hmm. it so they they draw it along. But it's I think it's just ingrained in her personality is she has to double cross somebody at some point. It's just that's the way she operates. Uh, yeah, she was. I'm just seeing if what else she's been in because. That voice is so distinctive. Uh, yeah, well, I can't find anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to say, do do I know any of these shows? Do I know any of these shows? Um, basically, friends, think Rogue from the X Men the animated series. Yeah, o- only purple <laughs> with. Uh... Really odd hair. <laughs> My daughter actually commented when Mouse was on, Daddy, why'd they make her hair do that? <laughs> I said, because they wanted to. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's literally flaming orange. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she she was just, uh, I, I'd call her like a hacker type. Yeah, well, she's referred to as a hacker, yeah. Mm. Oh, I love Mouse. <laughs> but, and I don't want to spoil what happens with Hex, because that, like you said, you hadn't seen season four, but she has a complete arc. And it seems like once they got to season two, that's what they were doing with everybody, is they were starting them on these arcs and to the point where they were going to be completely different characters by the end of it, which was really... You know, kind of ahead of its time. Oh, absolutely. It, you know, back in the in the nineties, like even Batman the Animated Series was still pretty much episode of the week. Right. Um, you'd have the adventure, the adventure, and just move on to the next one. With sequential storytelling, I can't think of any other show at you know in the in that time frame. Well, okay, X-Men and Spider-Man. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, Spider-Man kind of went overboard with it, really, because each, at least with X-Men, you were able to get more or less a complete story per episode. It may have been part of a bigger story, but it was more or less a complete idea. Whereas the Spider-Man cartoon it was like okay well each complete idea is going to be at least six episodes 
And then those complete ideas string them together, and then you have this big overarching plot going on. So it was a- hey, they they were writing for the trade. <laughs> <laughs> they were writing for the DVD collection. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Hex. I, I can't remember if this happened in season. Th- yeah, it happens in season three. She, um, the si- the system crashes. Mainframe pretty much gets wiped out because actually they have to do it <laughs> because when Megabyte takes over, he pretty much turns it into well. You know how Hill Valley looked in Back to the Future 2 with Biff in charge? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Think that on steroids, <laughs> friends. <laughs> <laughs> and so the system crashes. And this is where we get the first hint that the user actually is us. Because it says, "Do you... <laughs> there's a computer screen that says, do you want to reboot the system? <laughs> and Hex, her... her she actually gets a an icon, and she becomes a sprite. She goes from virus to sprite. Hmm. And then other things happen. <laughs> really cool things. But she has a complete character arc. Um, I think if we had got gotten that third movie to wrap up all the loose ends, everyone would have had the ending we wanted. Mm-hmm. With some judicious editing, I can make it so we have the the uh, the first movie this the uh, first movie end and everybody gets a happy ending. Because hey, the animation I could probably do with absolutely no computer skills on Adobe <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty much. Uh, we're getting to that point, are we? Aren't we? Uh, from what I've seen on YouTube, like. Um, that, what was that one guy? He passed away. Monty Ohm. He did um, uh, a bunch of stuff for Red vs. Blue. Well, before that, he just kind of did his own little things, and he had, like, random characters fight each other. Mm-hmm. And... It act for And he just did it all on his own, and it blew, you know, anything we saw in Reboot out of the water. Uh, and sadly, he passed away suddenly last year, so that... That was unexpected. Uh, did I mention Tangents Abound is the name of the show, friends? <laughs> <laughs> but all in all, this is definitely a, game, a show to check out. Um, it, you can find it at shoutfactorytv.com slash reboot. And like Gene said, they're all there. And I am so thankful that they are because... This is a show that needs to be seen. It's not available on D. De- well, I take that back. It is available on DVD, but versus watching for free on my computer versus paying sixty bucks for the DVD set, and it's I'll not. It for- it's not like it's being pirated either. Shout Factory has the license to distribute it, so That's- they're putting it out there on their own. It's you know we're not downloading it from a torrent or anything. This is actually the way they want it to be seen, so go ahead and watch it. And plus, if they see that people are watching it, they may push uh, mainframe animation to to make that new series. Uh, Hey, we can make money off this. Look at these download numbers we have. So let's increase it by five. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, now, also, while I was doing some research for the show, there was, and I remember seeing this at, well, it was, okay, Friends Game, at Electronics Boutique, before it became GameStop, there was a reboot video game. Now, this was, I, I had seen it, but I never really thought about it, so I, but I was doing some research, and what this was, was pretty much the prequel to the series. Aha! So it's Bob coming into mainframe for the first time. Now, the neat thing is there were cu- the cutscenes in the game was actual they did footage for the front they made how, how should I say this? Mainframe did the cutscenes so it, they were actual it looked like they came right off the show. Nice. But since it was a video game and they were doing this at the same time uh season 2 was rap was working on so <laughs> I got to find these on YouTube but since they didn't have the Bureau of Standards and Practices they were able to well make Dot look like an like more like her season 3 model <laughs> and just from reading it on on the wiki page it was actually a pretty cool cool idea I'm not going to go into it cuz it's a detailed uh, synopsis, but one of the neat things was it had multiple endings, depending on how you did in the game. Oh, that's good. Where the um, one is, of course, everybody happily ever after. One is the you save everyone, but something happens and Enzo dies. Mm-hmm. And then the bad one is everyone dies. I would say that would be a bad ending, yes. <laughs> yeah, Me- Megabyte wins, so. Um, wow. <laughs> I- I'm just trying to think of what else. Let me go back to my notes. Well, yeah, we pretty well have covered everything. <laughs> um, so, Gene, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, just that I am very happy that you asked me on to for this show because now I was able to rediscover Reboot, which is, it it was on Hulu for a little while, and I watched a couple episodes, but then it got put to the wayside, just because, you know, life. But now mm-hmm. that I've gone and watched several of them, I'm now going to sit down and rewatch the whole thing, and it's all because you brought up this idea, and I want to thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure, and again, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It. I, I just can't believe I'm actually – I got someone to, A, listen to the show, and B, actually want to talk about stuff with me. So, I mean, that's – I actually have a list of people I want to podcast with. I, I call it my podcast bucket list. Yeah. And now I can cross you off. Well, <laughs> I'm happy to do it, and I'm sure, sure everyone else will be happy to do it as well. Well, once they find out I exist. <laughs> <laughs> they know you exist. I mean, I know at least two people, two other people on the Two True Freaks Network know that you exist. This is true. But uh, there, there's two, well, I have, I've quoted him quite a bunch <laughs> over the course of my little show. So if uh, a certain professor <laughs> Bailey listens or a certain, well, actually, I can't even say professor anymore because now there are two professors. Ha. <laughs> 
Well, it depends. But, so you, you want uh, one that talks cheap comics or one that talks old comics? Is there a difference? Uh, depends. Uh, one is more definitely more willing to pay for comics than the other. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have trouble actually getting either. <laughs> fact, with the one professor, I'm about an hour and a half drive away from him. Oh, yeah. You could always just show up, <laughs> find out where those quarter bins are, and just stake, stake them out. <laughs> Uh, well, Gene, I think we pretty well covered Reboot. And, again, friends, uh, please check this show out. There's too much to cover in just a couple, you know, an hour, a couple hours worth of two guys talking over over this. Highly recommend checking it out. And, again, this is a legitimate website you can go to. It's not going to download spam. It's not going to download, you know, viruses. And it's, you don't have... It's really high-quality video, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I had no trouble loading it up. Looks great. It sounds great. You get to see why I drooled over Andrea for my formative years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Between, yeah, when when that, when I saw Andrea, between Andrea, the re-release of Little Mermaid, and, um... Well, I had just gotten into Spider-Man, so Mary Jane, and mm. this was, you know, 90s Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be a drawing. <laughs> well, I pretty much just killed any chance of Gene coming back, didn't I, friends? <laughs> uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> well... Gene, where can people find you? Because I know it's a long list, and I know I won't remember it all. <laughs> well, two real easy places. The first would be thehammerstrikes.com. That is my weekly blog. I blog about various topics, new post every Thursday. And the other place would be at twotruefreaks.com. That's 